Hey, folks, we're back with episode, what is this, Nick? Is this 34? Uh, I think so. I don't know. I haven't looked at our episode numbers. It's a lot. Holy shit. Yeah, it is. It's 34. So, yeah, we're back with episode 34 of Skirmish Supremacy. And as usual, I am joined by my co-host, Nick. And yes, this week I'll be talking again compared to this last week where things went haywire. But we are joined by none other than Patrick Keith, the sculpt dude himself. The sculptor extraordinaire. Patrick, how, how much more can I blow up your ego before we get going on this thing? Oh, dude, it, it doesn't really take a lot. I mean, it's hard enough for me to get through the doorway, you know, with my head as it is. So. Okay. <laughs> the man that is great at sculpting boobies. <laughs> and all of that other stuff that goes along with them. So, yeah. But, hey, I, I appreciate you guys having me on the show again. I know it was it hasn't been very long, you know, since I was on before, and and, uh, you know, we've, this is like our second Kickstarter, I guess, since the last time I was on. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it yeah. is, uh, you know, and, uh, man, like, I'm just thinking about it now. Like, I'm thinking it trick on like a month ago. I'm like, no, it's been longer than that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, wow. earlier, it was earlier in the year. Was it? Oh gosh. Was it before Adepticon? I, yes. I believe it was, yeah. I'm pretty sure it was. Wow, well, okay. Yeah, well, then it's gone by, you know, just like that. That's crazy, yeah. It has. Yeah, I call it. I call shenanigans. <laughs> I mean, hell, the fact that we're on episode 34 is pretty pretty crazy in my mind. Definitely. Yeah, yeah definitely. So, anyway, Patrick, we know you're doing awesome especially after seeing the news of probably one of the biggest things we're going to talk about tonight for a little bit anyway, is your Babes 3 Kickstarter. Yeah, yeah, Babes 3. Um, we um, we, we kind of missed a year because the, the first Babes project we ran was in 2012. And so, you know, we started to fulfill that one, you know, that we were expecting. And so kind of did Babes 2 last year, and then we're doing Babes 3 this year. And... Um, this time around, I was able to uh, get a hold of Chris Walton, and he had some fantastic designs and stuff out there in his uh, uh, little uh, Facebook folder uh, for D&D women that he was, he was working on. These were just, uh, you know, hobby designs. It was just like, hey, this is kind of cool. I, I'm, you know, coming up with these different ideas, and he would post them, and I would see them come up in my feed, and... Um, so I contacted him and I said, "Hey, are you gonna are you gonna do anything with these? I mean, is it for something or, you know, is it something else that you're working on?" He was like, "No, I'm just doing them for fun." So, uh, you know, so I kind of pitched it to him and I said, "Well, you know, I'm looking for art, you know, to do another Babes Kickstarter thing, and, uh, you know, if if uh, we can work out a deal, you know, I'd like to license some of the designs and stuff and and sculpt those." And and he was, you know, he thought that was awesome. He's like, "Well, cool. I'd like to have these, you know, turned into miniatures or whatever." So, um. So we worked it out and, you know, we picked out some of them and, you know, I've started sculpting on those. Uh, I didn't, didn't quite get them all done before we launched the project, but I had some other pieces and stuff that I was wanting to do for it anyway. So um, uh, throughout the course of the, um, the project, I'll be posting work in progress pictures of, you know, the, some of the sculpts that I'm working on, you know, based on his art and everything. So Nice, nice. Yeah, and I see a lot of the work in progress picks up there now. And, you know, I know a lot of people look at this and go, oh, well, he's sculpting it, you know, three times the size of what it's going to be. And I'm looking at this going, no, that's the top of a cork, you bunch of assholes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, those those are all one-inch corks that I work on. That's that's the actual size of the of the sculpt. So. Uh, crazy, crazy man. Yeah, well, you know, I, I cheat a little bit. So, you know, I use an Optivisor for magnification. And, and, you know, it was funny when I first started sculpting and I was – you know, I was turning out pieces. I was like, wow, you know, I, I really kind of want to progress in my work. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking for the next milestone and all that kind of thing. And so then I, uh, you know, I saw that painters were using, you know, optivizers to, to paint their minis, you know, for like competition and stuff. So I thought, well, maybe I should get that, you know, and try it, you know, for sculpting or whatever. So when I got it and, and started, you know, really focusing in on on uh, tightening up the details and, and the edges of things and, and all that sort of thing. It, uh, it was amazing how much my work leveled up when I could actually see what I was working on at the time. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's magnification is very important, you know, to do what we do. Yeah, well, especially at that small of a detail. And you're not – you don't use 3D – well, 
you might for some art, but like you don't use 3D sculpting per se. Like you're not doing any of that. You're doing it all by hand with wire and the putty and very old school, which, you know, I, I really appreciate. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I've, I have done some ZBrush stuff. Most of the things that I turn out, you know, digitally are, um, you know, mechanical things. I've done like a lot of, you know, robot stuff and vehicles and that type of thing. And it's really great for that because, you know, you get the symmetry and um, it gives you, you know, uniform lines and all that, which are very difficult to do on a lot of weapons and, and that kind of stuff. So in order to save myself from t- some time, if I have to replicate a lot of stuff, I will, you know, go to ZBrush and, and have a part printed out or whatever and then, you know, master it and uh, so, you know, uh, resin casting and that kind of thing. But, um, you know, but the, the sculpts that you're seeing on here, these are all, like you're saying, they're they're traditional uh, practical sculpts, you know, and, and, you know, I started out using green stuff, you know, pretty much just like everybody else does. And, you know, I ran into some issues and stuff with it. And uh, I've gone through this transition over the last 10 years of like these different sculpting materials that I've tried that, um, and now I've kind of settled on beast putty, which is giving me the results, you know, that I'm, I'm looking for. So now I'm, I'm really trying to start to level up, you know, using that. Gotcha. Yeah, I've never used that before. So for me, well, I mean, I suck at sculpting for the most part anyway. But, like, I, I'm okay with green stuff. I've never used any of the other mediums, though. So I I can imagine I'd be just equally as terrible as I am with green stuff. But uh, anyway, I digress. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you have 286 backers. You, you, your goal was 9,000. Mm-hmm. You blew this freaking thing out of the water. You're already at 13,886. You still have nine days to go. And you did not run a long Kickstarter. No, no, we we tend to watch the the mid project slump, you know, and backers will tend to bail on that, you know, when it gets like you know through a long stretch. We've got some really cool stuff that you know we're going to kind of drop in midway through the project. Like you know, I'm going to be posting additional stretch goals and additional art, you know, and I'm working on other sculpts right now that haven't been shown yet. Uh, that I've kind of got uh, reserved behind the scenes, so we'll be posting those along the, the course of the project. So, I mean, if if as a backer, you know, you're kind of looking at the project going like, well, it kind of did its thing, and I'm either in or out, and, you know, I'm not going to check it. It's like, well, you may want to kind of hit the project, you know, a couple of times, you know, before it wraps up, because there's going to be some cool things to look at, you know, that you may not expect uh, in order to kind of keep uh, interest and so forth on it. So nice, but you know, like you said, it, it did fund really fast and, and Vicky and I were kind of watching it right after we launched and it just kind of kept going and kept going. And, uh, you know, after the, uh, the first 45 minutes, it, it was like, Ooh, wow, that's, that's pretty quick. And it, it funded a whole lot faster uh, for us, you know, when we went back and looked at the metrics on it from, uh, babes Two, And I kind of attribute that to two things that we did. Uh, we didn't get out and do a lot of advertising for it and, you know, kind of, you know, spend a lot of money on banners and all that type of stuff like we've done before because we just don't have the budget for it. But um, but what I did this time was uh, the Kickstarter projects have kind of a new function now where when you create a project, you can go in and uh, set it uh, to preview. Okay, so what it does is it gives you a little link at the top of your build page that you can share and um, get people to come and give you feedback and stuff on, you know, how you're you're putting your campaign together. Now, of course, I mean, we're running this campaign exactly the same way as we run, you know, all the other ones. This is our eighth Kickstarter campaign. And so we've kind of got, you know, a lot of experience as far as like, you know, how we want to structure it and, you know, how it's going to go through pledge management and all that sort of thing. So it's, it's kind of baked in. So I didn't really have a lot of stuff, you know, in the way of like, you know, we're going to make changes on it, but at least people could come by and look at the project and see like what we were going to be offering. So it's like, well, okay, so here's some of the concept art. Here's some of the sculpts, you know, work in progress. And here's some of the things that, you know, we're thinking about offering. And it allowed them to where the pledge button normally is. You can click on that and it will notify you, hey, this project is launched. So we set that project up, you know, about a month or two ago and put that link out there. And that allowed, uh, you know, our potential backers to come and check it out early and be notified right away that, you know, the project is launched and, hey, we're ready for you to come and, and you know, back it. It's live now. Um, so that was a really cool feature um, that we hadn't utilized before, and I think that kind of contributed a lot to it, it funding as early as it did. Yeah, well, I mean, 
it's like anything else. You guys have been doing, you know, quite a few Kickstarters. You, I don't want to say you're a Kickstarter veteran. You're definitely pumping up using Kickstarter, like, to be frank, are not supposed to be used. But, like, you've been around enough to kind of know what it's going to take to do a successful Kickstarter, which is always a good thing. You know, at this point, you've learned from your experience. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's, it's definitely um, it, it's a good marketing tool. I mean, as far as, um, you know, I know there's a lot of debate and stuff out there. It's like, well, should it be used for, you know, pre-order? And there's a lot of companies that, you know, do that. And some people will back stuff and some people won't because of, you know, ethical reasons and, and that kind of thing. And I, I completely understand that. Um, we're still a garage company. I mean, we're still, right. I mean, we're not, I'm not Reaper Miniatures or, you know, some of these other larger, you know, kind of um, like you would expect. Um, and so it's still a hobby business for us in, in that regard. What I mean by that is that I'm not, you know, taking my sole, you know, uh, salary from, you know, Bombshell Miniatures. Uh, it's, it's like I still rely quite heavily on, uh, client work, you know, and sculpting for other companies and, and that kind of thing in order to, you know, kind of pay the bills and all that. Um, so we're still building an audience for Bombshell Miniatures, and we're still, um, you know, pushing that that boulder up the hill, you know, until we can find out, you know, where the summit is, and, and it'll take on kind of a life of its own. And each time that we do one of these Kickstarter projects, it allows us to, you know, fund, you know, doing another set of, of miniatures and, and, uh, you know, covering the mold costs, covering, you know, the time that it takes me in order to sculpt the figures and pay for the concept art and, you know, right. painting and all that type of stuff that we just don't have out of pocket because I mean, I would literally have to like sculpt a figure for a company and then sculpt a free one for another company in order to pay for, you know, doing one for ourselves if that were the case. So. Right. And that's just, it's not, feasible you know it's already bad enough that a lot of artists don't get paid really what they're what they're worth as it is in the industry i know there's a lot of you know talk about that where people are going around looking for like freelance artists that are doing stuff basically for you know pro bono or you know just to say hey worked on you know it's not cool right i got that exposure for you (laughs) yeah yeah it's like that exposure won't won't fill my my soup bowl, yeah. Yes, it will, because enough people will see you, and you'll want, and they'll want your work. Come on. <laughs> yeah, and you keep turning, keep turning that work out. You know, it's and it, uh, it'll eventually get you something, I guess. But that's um, that's that's a long road. Yeah, definitely. You know, that's you know we we get jumped on that rabbit hole later on, but let's uh. Sure. Right now, I just want to focus right now on the Kickstarter. You know, really, let's let's dive in, take a look at a lot of these miniatures. I want to see everything that you've got going on. Now, the one thing I did notice about this Kickstarter is a lot of these are based upon people that are in the industry that a lot of us know. Really? Okay. <laughs> I I can I can pick out one that we've named after a particular industry person. What are the other ones that you've noticed? Uh, let's see here. We have Officer Haley, which I'm guessing is probably Jen Haley. Actually, what's funny about that is that's that's named after a television actress. Really? Yep. Well, here I was thinking you were giving something off to Jen Haley. <laughs> Even though Jen Haley is awesome in every way, uh, yeah, I would I would love to do a, a tribute figure for her. It's not that particular one. There's this one that stands out quite a bit that I'm probably going to give her some ribbing on later on. Elizabeth Elizabeth Beckford. Yep, that's that's the one that uh, I intentionally named uh, after Elizabeth. Uh, when I had posted the art and and was talking to the uh, the painters that are offering you know reward levels and stuff for us, um, she picked out you know some of the pieces that she wanted to paint you know as our studio models, and that was one of the particular pieces. So as I was going through and creating the graphics and everything. I had her name, you know, stamped kind of on the art at the bottom of it. So I would know which painter was going to get what, you know, sculpt later on, you know, to, to paint. And, um, and so I thought, well, I, that's, I'll just call her Elizabeth, you know? So I just, I came up with the name kind of on the spot and then, you know, posted the graphics and stuff for it. So she was, 
she was really kind of surprised by that and uh, and messaged me. It was like, oh my god, that's awesome, you know. So that was a lot of fun. Nice, yeah. So I noticed too on this one, you have some. So out of the sculpts that are currently available, you have some stuff that's like a little bit more modern. Um, you have one that kind of has a bit of that retro sci-fi feel, mm-hmm. like from Counter Blast. Obviously, you got Elizabeth Beckford. She's very much looks like your classical. Um, pseudo-Renaissance D&D character, and then you've got some that very much look like they belong in uh, the War Machine universe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so you're kind of borrowing from just about every company that you've worked for in the past as far as things that you've done. Yeah, well, yeah, and that's that's kind of funny because it's like, uh, you know, Chris Walton's done a lot of designs for Privateer Press, and he kind of, you know, has that pervasive style where it's like, you know, there's a, you know, as an artist, you kind of build a toolbox, over your, I guess, career, you know, where it's like, well, when I, when I go to design something or I go to sculpt a certain thing, I kind of have this approach to it where, you know, I do it over and over and over and I kind of lean on that whenever I come up with something else, you know. So when you look at a lot of Chris Walton's designs, you can kind of see some of the, I guess, um, design elements that, you know, you would recognize in a, a privateer press piece or, you know, whatever. But, um, but they're wholly, you know, original and unique characters and so forth. And what really kind of drew me to the, the fantasy pieces that he was doing uh, was how, how much character they had. Like uh, one of the, the, the fighter characters, you know, she has like a peg leg and this big, you know, flat-topped helmet with like a little pigeon, you know, a carrier pigeon on the top of it or, or whatever. And, I mean, there was just all these really clever little details to it that um, – uh, that I, I, I was really, you know, kind of drawn to. And I was like, oh, I, that would be really great, you know, to sculpt all of that stuff. Um, the Sister Marion piece that, that we've got out there, the, the art that I've, I've started on, I mean, she's got like a ham tied to her belt and, um, you know, and then some kind of big, you know, iconic, um, you know, holy symbol or whatever hanging off of her, her belt and all that sort of thing. So um, there's a lot of that type of stuff that really makes those, interesting characters to me and and that was one of the reasons why i wanted to sculpt them now are you going to try to do the smoke floating off of her sensor flail as well or are you going to skip that yeah no well there's 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 a lot of things that i really hate sculpting and weapons is one of them uh the other thing is spell effects and i consider you know smoke coming out of the sensor to be a spell effect and and it's the the way that it trails off it's it's not going to work uh, production wise. I mean, it would just be this, you know, big chunk of metal and it'd be cumbersome and keep, you know, probably coming off of it, you know, because it'd be a separate part and all that. So yeah, she'll have the, the, uh, the flail, you know, um, as a a sensor type thing, but yeah, I don't think I'm going to do the smoke on that. Okay. Now the one that I really like, the, the one that really stuck out to me and it's mainly because of the Bobcat is, um, Ranger Brenna and Jody. That one looks awesome (laughs) yeah yeah that's really cool and and the thing that kind of drew that drew me to it was her costuming design which has kind of got that you know russian kind of a feel to it like you would expect you know with the the design of her her hat and everything the the fur hat that she has um and the fact that she had like a little animal companion and it's a dwarf character and and typically you know you, you don't normally see a, a dwarf as a ranger character with a pet like that. And to me, it had a very World of Warcraft kind of feel in a way. Um, so I, I thought that would make, uh, you know, a, a really nice little set uh, since, of course, the the main character is, you know, kind of smaller because she's a dwarf than, you know, in order to kind of take up that, uh, that volume, having a, you know, a, a, an animal companion with her, um, really kind of filled that out. So, um, uh, but plus, you know, we've done a lot of uh, sidekick characters before for some of our other babes uh, where we kind of paired them up where it's like, well, we have a babe that's kind of like this. So maybe we should do like a little critter or, you know, some other kind of, uh, uh, you know, like a robot or something that would go with them. And this, it was kind of baked into it, you know, as part of the design. So onto that. Yeah. I I mean, that that was probably the the one that stood out to me the most. Besides, uh, I'm gonna probably gonna butcher this, but uh, the Shaldareth. 
Yeah. She looks like the uh, the Elven Blade Dancer. She's uh, she is really cool because of all of the the forest druid kind of aspects to her. I mean, even the weapons that she has kind of reminds me a little bit of you know like a, a druid sickle in a way. So. Um, and, and I mean, when I first got into, you know, war gaming and all this back in the day, and I'm talking like first edition Warhammer fantasy battle, uh, you know, my army of choice was always the wood elves and they had a certain kind of Celtic aesthetic to them anyway, which was kind of nice. But, um, this really kind of pushes that design even further with like, you know, a wood textured, um, grain, you know, on like, you know, some of her armor, and, you know, and that kind of stuff. So I think what's going to be tricky is the pose on it because she's got kind of this um, weightless kind of magical, you know, floating kind of an aesthetic. So I'm, I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to engineer that to give that kind of effect, but still have it be a practical miniature, you know, that, that uh, you know, stand up and, and be balanced. That, yeah, that is going to be really, really hard to pull off without just like sticking a clear plastic peg up her butt. You're right, and, and I, I want to avoid that. Yeah, yeah. I mean the, she the other way too. Yeah, I'm sure she does. Uh, <laughs> the other thing, the other thing I've seen a lot of other companies do is they like stick the weapons kind of into the ground to give it the look like they're floating, but then it looks like they've got like some weird gorilla strength, or the fact that they're on such a thin peg. Yeah, it's just yeah. gonna be bad. I think what's gonna wind up happening is she's probably gonna have a. Um, a scenic kind of a base tour where there'll be like these um, uh, vines and, and other, you know, like uh, undergrowth kind of coming up to support her, you know, from where her toes and stuff are. And I've done a couple of pieces like that for dark sword because a lot of the Stephanie law art uh, that I had adapted, you know, to, and sculpted for dark sword has a very, you know, light ethereal kind of feel to some of those designs. And so engineering it in order, you know, into, you know, something that's going to, you know, inevitably be a little chunk of metal is really tricky to do and still have it come out looking like, you know, as ethereal as the art is. Um, Because there's so many practical things to take into account, you know, like, um, you know, once it's been mastered and, you know, once you go into production and everything, there's a little bit of shrinkage each mold iteration that you make. And so you have to really kind of, you know, thicken up some areas so that, you know, they'll hold up to that production process and still be a viable miniature, you know, for the, the end consumer. So I do have a little bit of experience, you know, kind of doing that. So I'm going to try to lean on some of that and, and try to capture as much of the design as I can and, but, you know, but still make it work as a, as a practical miniature. Right. Right. So I see that the next one you've got ready to unlock here, which more than likely it's going to happen at the pace that you're going is, uh, (laughs) Uh, Anugra the Deep Seer. So she mm-hmm. she very much well. It says Mistress of the Cosmos, and she very much reminds me of something that I would have seen out of the Planescapes campaign setting for D anD D going back in the day. Oh yeah, yeah. Which it's really got that kind of vibe. Bring that back. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really got got that kind of vibe to it. And when I looked at that design, that that kind of that kind of look sort of captured me too, because like on her staff, um, I guess there's like all of these little spheres or, or circles or whatever that, that kind of made me think of it, you know, a constellation or, or a uh, uh, solar system, you know, of some kind. And so, uh, so I kind of leaned on a little bit of the dark crystal uh, for her name, you know, because Audra was a really interesting character in that where, you know, the first time that you meet her in the movie, you kind of go in and there's this giant, you know, astrolab kind of apparatus that's, you know, like, you know, tracking all of the planets and everything. And that's a really interesting sort of, you know, device. And so I kind of saw a lot of that in the design of this and, and um, it kind of, um, it, it sort of made me think of that, you know, as, as far as, you know, what she might be. Yeah, I could definitely see. I could definitely see that. So, and I know that your stuff is your typical twenty-eight millimeter heroic size, which is uh, how do they count that? Like true thirty-two. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not really even sure what that means. Um, you know, because there's there's that term is kind of thrown around, you know, in the business quite a bit and online. And, and basically, I think people just want their miniatures to kind of match the other miniatures that they have. 
you know. Right. And so I've got a little little reference image, you know, pretty uh, pretty close to the top of the the project page where it shows these are these are sculpts that I've done for you know these four companies basically uh, Reaper, Dark Sword, Privateer Press, and and Bombshell. Okay, um, and most of the time, whenever I sculpt something, if it's for an existing line, that company will send me, if I don't already have them in my collection, I mean, they'll send me reference miniatures and say, okay, well, we want them to fit these other miniatures. You know, it's like, well, this character is going to be, you know, um, 34 millimeters tall, you know, if it's like a big, you know, bulky type of thing or, or whatever, um, you know, or it's going to be 27 millimeters tall, you know, and we, but we want the proportions to fit, you know, this and that. And even though the Dark Sword miniatures kind of range in between, you know, 30 and, uh, well, 34 and, and 36 millimeters, you know, somewhere there, depending on if they're female or male or whatever, really what you're looking at is the proportions of that. Because the size of the head versus the rest of the model is what's going to make it seem taller is. So, say, for example, if you sculpted a 28-millimeter model, but the head on it is only 3 millimeters tall, that miniature is actually going to look taller than it really is. And it's a very, very strange kind of optical illusion in that. Um, whereas you, if you look at miniatures that, you know, from a company like Bolt Action, those are very traditional 28-millimeter you know, proportioned models, you know, where you, you yeah. kind of count as like, well, they're five head high, you know, five heads high. And so, you know, and they're, that makes their hands larger, you know, some of these other, you know, more cartoony aspects. And it just really depends on, you know, what people prefer to have, you know, in their collection. And so, yeah, the, the babes that I'm sculpting for Bombshell, maybe not, they wouldn't really fit as well with something that's more of like, you know, styled as a bolt action type miniature, but it would fit in with like a lot of other, you know, common um, gaming miniatures. So, uh, so I try to be very conscientious of that. Well, yeah, that's definitely a good thing to do. Cause I mean, ultimately you're not making, I mean, outside of counter blast, that's a totally different subject, but you're not making your miniatures for like any one particular game, unless that company's, commissioning you to do that so you want it to kind of fit in with the wide range of everything so if people are using it as a proxy or people are using it as a D figure or some homebrew game where your stuff can fit right in and it's not going to look out of place right right so it, it it has the the widest use possible right exactly which is definitely a good thing nowadays because uh you know with the, the way that uh, there's so many companies out, out there producing miniatures you know, having mm-hmm. yours thrown out there in some way is always a good thing. Well, yeah, and I, I mean, and I, I, I stay pretty current as far as like what's going on. I mean, there's there's very little new that pops up that you know I, I don't find out about. You know, so I try to try to keep my pulse on the you know the industry and and to see what's going on and, and what new things are coming out and what what trends are out there and that that kind of thing. I'm very very interested in that as a hobby. You know, because it's like, well, that's, I enjoy all aspects of that. But then it's also important for me to kind of follow along with, you know, trends and things because that's the business that I'm in. So, um, you know, when I, I, I talk to a lot of people, you know, I'll, I'll usually, you know, I'll be in a conversation like, well, hey, have you seen this thing that's coming out? Have you seen that thing that's coming out? Such and such just posted a blah over here. And it's like, you know, some some of the people that I talk to is like, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I've never seen any of that stuff. And it's like, well, you know, I, I try to stay current, you know, on, on what's going on. So, um, uh, and plus, I, I kind of I support some of that stuff, too. So, uh, you know, I'll go out and, and, you know, back a Kickstarter or, you know, pimp somebody's stuff out. Uh, and I'm a big fan of, uh, you know, certain sculptors and certain other companies, you know, and I'll buy their stuff and, and I don't have time to paint anymore, but I mean, I put it in my pile of stuff that I would paint that if I had the time to, you know, so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that pile. Don't we all? <laughs> that pile, yeah. <laughs> Nick, Nick's keeps growing far, faster than he knows what to do with it. <laughs> we don't talk it's, about that. 
<laughs> and it's very easy, you know, for that to get out of control because there's just so much coming out all the time. And, and it's really cool. You know, uh, every time I turn around, there's like, there's some kind of new uh, sci-fi game or or whatever. And it's like, wow, I really, you know, I, I would get that, you know, if I had the, the means to, to get it, it looks pretty amazing. Yeah, there's a lot of times I just ha- kind of have to plug my, you know, plug my ears, close my eyes, and just go la 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 la. <laughs> which which doesn't help when you, you know, host a podcast that we have a lot of people that are on Kickstarter coming through. Yeah, yeah, it's really painful. Yeah, really painful. Uh, yeah, well, we kind of do it to ourselves. After a while, we just gotta stay, stop, you know, kicking ourselves in the face every day. But. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, you just kind of go numb. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know when that is, but I keep holding out hope. Yeah, and, and so doesn't my wife in our checkbook. Uh huh. Well, I've I've been kind of living vicariously, you know, through like a lot of the other hobbyists because I'm on like so many different, um, you know, hobby Facebook groups and so forth. I've been able to tweak it enough now to where I've pretty much got nothing but hobby stuff coming up in my Facebook feed anymore. So there's very little like, you know, political type stuff or any of that. It's all just basically like who's painting what, who's coming out with the next release. And, you know, this is the next Kickstarter and, you know, that type of stuff. So I kind of look at everybody else's work as like, Oh, look, such and such just painted a thing over here and somebody's painting this and somebody went and played, you know, a demo game and blah, blah, blah. So it's like, Oh, that, that, that would be fun if I ever, you know, got to do something like that. So it's, it's, it's a very remote activity now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I forget what model I picked up. I was painting one model the other day, and it was one of the first ones that I'm like, you know, I'll really go slow with this, try to get a lot of detail. I got about halfway through, was, you know, done for the evening. The next day I was looking on Facebook and, you know, had had, you know, have a lot of hobby stuff coming through, and then all of a sudden somebody else had the same model. They're like look at how I painted this and I painted it in an hour. And I looked at mine and I was just like, I'm throwing mine in the trash now. <laughs> Thanks, dick. <laughs> was, that, was that you that shot the video of that? Because it was, I, I can't remember what it was, but I saw like a, like oh. a video. And it was, no. it was like they, they showed, they showed on, on their, their computer monitor on the screen. It was, I think, I think it was like Ben Comet's work, okay? And he was painting like this, uh, it was, uh, it looked like something from Black Sun Miniatures or, or something like yeah. that. I mean, it was this big barbarian guy. And, and the camera panned from where they showed, you know, his painting on the screen down to like their model that they were holding their hands and they just panned over and just dropped it into the stretch. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like, that made the rounds and I went like, yeah, I've, I've wanted to do that with some of the stuff I've been working on too, so... I've had that feeling once or a dozen times. Yeah. Yeah, I can't remember who posted that, but it was that was yeah. pretty funny. Yeah, I, I remember hearing stories about it, but uh, I never got a chance to witness it in person, yeah. which is probably a good thing because I probably would – I'd still be laughing about it to this day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So what else have you been working on besides, uh, obviously, you've got the Babes Kickstarter. That's a big piece of it right now. But are you, do you have any other uh, side projects that you're working on right now for other companies that you want to tell us a little bit about? Man, um, yeah, I, I wish. <laughs> here's, here's the thing. I mean, over the past year, I've been so buried under client work. Uh, and, you know, have have been working on, you know, not only, you know, stuff for Bombshell, but other people's Kickstarters, you know, so because I did stuff for, you know, last year I did stuff for DGS games and uh, on the lamb games. And it was just all these different, you know, Kickstarter projects that I kind of worked through. And I, I, the more that I had done on them, uh, the more I got behind. Um, I was working on a big batch of stuff for uh, um, what Megacon games. I guess they did the, the board game myth uh, and had, had done, you know, some stuff. So, I was sculpting a bunch of their um, uh, Naga, and they're like these big fish creature things and all this. Anyway, they're really cool. The, the designs on them were great, and I really wanted to, to work on that. And and so I was kind of working with them, and, and I wound up having to go back and redo some stuff because they had changed, uh, you know, what they wanted on them. And so 
it kind of put me behind on, you know, working on that stuff for them. And then the, the more I worked on some other stuff, I got behind on, you know, doing some other things and it just continued to snowball to where I got behind her and behind her on stuff. And even leading up to, you know, launching Babes 3, it was like, I really wanted to launch it with six completed sculpts. And that's typically the way that we've done it before. Um, but I'm, I'm working on finishing up some stuff for Dark Sword right now. And because I kind of had to split my time between, you know, finishing that project and then, uh, you know, working on this project, I didn't get quite all of the stuff finished before we launched. But I thought, oh, this is kind of a cool opportunity for me to post a lot of work in progress pictures. Uh, because, you know, that way people can kind of follow along and see, you know, the progress of, like, you know, how they're turning out and everything. And that's kind of fun, you know, because you don't get to see that all the time. You know, it's just like, hey, here's a new miniature, and you don't really kind of think about, you know, how what went into making it. So um, so hopefully, you know, with this project, we'll kind of show a little bit of that and you'll kind of get to see the, the, the progress on it. But, um, yeah, so, so I'm really – I'm trying to get caught up right now. Um, we had launched Critterkins, you know, a few months ago, and uh, that was, you know, Vicky's pet project that she wanted to do. And so we've been casting all of that in-house. And typically we, we don't really want to overlap trying to fulfill one Kickstarter when we've launched another one. Uh, and I know that that's, that's kind of tanked, you know, a lot of other people that have done stuff like that before. But we looked at it as it's like, well, this is something that we can manage because I'm – I'm done with all of the sculpts on the Critterkins project. I mean, I had sculpted all the ones that we had funded and those are in production right now. So basically I'm, you know, still making a few molds on it and Vicky's doing, you know, the majority of the casting and stuff here because we're doing all of the, the resin production in house. So in that regard, um, you know, we're, we're, you know, going along with production just, just like, you know, you would expect. I mean, she's, uh, you know, running the mold cycles and doing all that stuff. And I'm really kind of back to sculpting on other things, um, you, you know, and it's just punctuated, you know, in between by having to make a, uh, you know, a set of molds here or there whenever she goes on to the next thing. So, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be manageable, and we're looking at wrapping up that stuff before ReaperCon, which is going to be, you know, towards the end of October. So... ReaperCon. That's one. That's one that eventually I want to get to. Yeah, it's a it's a nice little show. If you took something like Adepticon and you scaled it down by about you know ninety percent, basically, that's what you're going to get you know out of ReaperCon. Uh, there's there's still gaming events and stuff that go on there, and there you know the the hobby uh, side of it is unmatched. I mean, they've got top notch people coming in and teaching, you know, all weekend, like sculpting and painting and basing and terrain and just anything that you can think of that you would possibly want to do, you know, with the miniatures or wargaming hobby, you know, they're going to teach a class on it. Um, uh, Aaron Lovejoy, you know, is doing airbrushing and uh, James Wapple, you know, is, is doing basing and painting and all kinds of stuff. And um, so it's, it's a pretty, pretty amazing, you know, setup that they've got. Um, and we, we've had a lot of fun going, you know, in the past. Um, and this is the first time that we're going as uh, exhibitors. So the, the traffic on it is about, you know, 500, 500 or 600, I guess, um, that weekend, which is, you know, down quite a bit from like what you would expect, you know, at, you know, an Adepticon type show. Um, but that kind of makes it a little bit more intimate because the way that they set up kind of their hobby area in between classes, you can go and just hang out with like the other hobbyists and get all kinds of tips and tricks and stuff, you know, on uh, painting and all that, or just, you know, catch a pickup game want to do. So it's, it's a really intimate, you know, type of a type of a setting. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. That's, you know, I've heard a lot about it. I've seen a lot of pictures and, you know, for me, I think it's a lot of it's the spectacle, you know, where you, you go to, you go to Adepticon, a lot of it is going to be, I mean, yes, obviously crystal brush is held there and no, nobody's like, you know, sneezing at the crystal brush award by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> but, yeah. um, you know, it, it's uh but Adepticon for the most part is very much like a gamers convention where Reaper is kind of the other side. It's not that the gaming doesn't go on, but it is definitely a, a painting and sculpting convention first. Yeah. Yeah. 
and and it it uh, yeah it pretty much came came out of that. They used to have two shows a year. Uh, they would do ReaperCon in the spring, which was kind of right around Adepticon time, and then they would do what they would call an ArtistCon, which was mainly you know the the hobby aspects of it you know in the fall. And now they've just kind of pared it down just to the one show, and they're kind of doing all of it you know at that that one convention, which is is kind of cool for me because then I can just go, you know, once <laughs> and, and, uh, and, you know, get all the stuff, you know, at the same time. So. Yeah. And that's uh that's not too far from you, is it? It's, it's uh well, uh, Reaper is about an hour from us. Um, and the, the hotel that they have the convention at is a little bit closer. So I think it takes about 30 minutes for us to drive from here to the, the hotel where they have the show. So this is going to be great for us this time because, we just throw the stuff into the into the Santa Fe and just drive it over there, you know, and then come home, you know, <laughs> in the evening. So I don't have to get a room and deal with, you know, unpacking and you know doing all that type of stuff. So it's a uh, it's it's a much yeah. There's a lot lot less stress, you know, on us, and I don't have to find a cat sitter. So we can come back and feed the cats. So that's always good. Yeah. Well. That's going to be a handful on that. <laughs> that's a, that's always one of my biggest things is like, you know, if, especially if Tina and I are leaving, going out of town, it's always like, Oh God, now we got to find somebody to watch the animals. Yes. And that's, that's harder than you would think it would be, you know? I know you would think it'd be much easier than it would dealing with kids, but yeah, you know, at least with kids, I mean, I guess you get, I, I don't know, Nick, you have kids. Do you just like leave out some food on the counter and put some newspaper on the floor? What do you do? <laughs> Um, you know, leave a 20 for pizza, you know, they're, you know, four and 10. Oh, that's just the right age. Hey man, I, you know, I was, I was on my own when I was 10. I was, they left me alone and I didn't burn the house down. So, you know, it just depends on how responsible you are at that age. Yeah, well, now I'm going to have to Google that. Patrick Keith burning house down. (laughs) (laughs) You will find nothing on that. (laughs) Are we sure that didn't happen? Right. And uh, something here about, strangely, there were reporters that went missing during that time. No. (laughs) (laughs) I'll never tell. (laughs) So what else do you got planned for the Kickstarter? I mean, I, I know you got a lot of stuff going on for different projects. You've only you've only shown the twelve thousand stretch goal. You've shown the sixteen. What else you kind of got planned going down the pipeline? I mean, we we licensed six initial designs from Chris uh, in order to kind of launch, you know, to kind of to, to get started. And then I optioned, you know, six other pieces that we had kind of picked out. So I mean, I've got I've got some art that I'm going to show for stretch goals, um, and then. Uh, I'm, I'm working on some other sculpts. Like I've got um, an an orc blacksmith that's kind of it's going to kind of go along with I guess the melee piece that we have. It's just another companion blacksmith kind of thing. But we had done an orc character that was um, it's kind of a shaman uh, kind of a thing on Babes Two. Really kind of cool to do a conversion of that uh, because I still have the the resin dolly, you know, cast. And I thought, well, I'll kit her out, you know, like an orc blacksmith. Cause we had had some requests for that. So I'm working on that as, as like a next stretch goal sculpt, you know, that, that I'll post. And uh, then I've got kind of a, uh, a character that's uh, called, I'm calling her Jillian right now. And she's, uh, and she kind of started out as babe sapien, but I really couldn't call her that, you know, for obvious reasons, but she's kind of a, um, an aquatic sort of from a lagoon kind of uh, type of thing. So, so I'll be showing that, you know, as I'm working on it a little bit later on. Uh, But then I've got some other, uh, you know, fantasy and sci-fi pieces that, um, you know, have potential that, uh, that, you know, if we get to them, you know, stretch goals or whatever, then I'll, I'll be putting those out there. All right, cool. So you definitely got some other stuff in the works. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's now, still some stuff going on behind the scenes. Now, the one thing that has been brought up to you in the past is you've done babes. What are you doing bros? <laughs> uh, you know, it's, that's funny because I, I've seen that, like, in a couple of places on some of the hobby uh, groups that I 
I don't want to say troll. I should say lurk. I guess I, I lurk. <laughs> I lurk on the on the the hobby groups, you know, and and see what everybody else is posting, and then you know. But there was a I can't remember which one it was, but there was a couple of topics and stuff out there that you know they were looking for, you know, uh, bro figures, and um, we had that discussion, you know, quite a bit. It's like, well, do we want to put out a line of, of male characters? And it's like, well, you know, everybody else is is already doing male characters. I'm already sculpting male characters for other companies and things. You know, it's like, well, what, what could I really bring to it that, that would be different, you know? And so I think what I want to do is it would be something that we wouldn't really do like a Kickstarter for, you know, or anything. I mean, it wouldn't be like this huge fanfare kind of thing. I have some characters that I would like to sculpt, you know, some things in mind, um, you know, sci-fi things and kind of iconic, you know, adventurer type of characters and stuff that you would expect, you know, from like, you know, pulp style movies and that, that type of stuff. And I think we, you know, we'll wind up just, you know, doing a set of them and putting them out. And, um, you know, if I can ever get to the place to where I can, you know, put out regular releases, then it would be something that we would build on, you know, over time, uh, just as, you know, I would be able to, uh, you know, add characters to it. So, and we've done a couple of like, you know, a couple of gender things, you know, um, reversals you know we've got the um i guess it's uh blake russell you know that's kind of um kind of a kurt russell sort of knockoff you know and um you know we've got that kind of thing so i mean i may wind up you know trying to go and find you know some iconic you know female characters like the little mermaid or something like that and make a male version of it i mean i don't know there's you know there's all kinds of different you know options out there so so I know from what I've seen on it, they want, yeah, and uh, uh, Shoshi uh, Bauer is a, a big proponent on it, but you yeah. got to have a nice butt. She's very, very obsessive about a model having a nice butt. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, it's kind of doing the pinup style of it. You know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, there's uh, there are some other companies out there that are doing pinup. Um, I don't really consider our stuff to be really, you know, pinup type stuff. Uh, I mean, what we were trying to do with the babes was kind of the opposite of that, where it was like, well, I mean, you've got these kind of objectified pinups and stuff. And so we wanted to make actual, you know, female characters or whatever. So I think it would be really kind of a funny role reversal to do like these really over the top exaggerated, you know, beefcake type, you know, miniatures just to see if, you know, we could intimidate, you know, the, the male, um, you know, hobby community. <laughs> so I was like, oh my gosh, it's like, well, I don't have, I don't have pecs or biceps like that. I feel so, you know, inferior, you know, kind of thing. So, but I think that's the twist that you got to take with it because everybody's making like your, your typical, like He-Man or action hero looking characters. You yeah. need to take it that extra step and either take them like over the top ridiculous, like a Johnny Bravo. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> Yeah, just like do straight up gamers, you know, like your everyday gamer thrown into like a fantasy world. So like, you know, in the case of Nick, he would just be like this dwarf. (laughs) (laughs) A slightly above average height dwarf. Thank you. (laughs) Bogart the Destroyer. (laughs) I Then you bring the Hobbit in. I do have flat feet, but come on. <laughs> but are they hairy? That's the that's the linchpin, right? Eh, not too hairy, but you know. Okay. Because I think that would I think that would be the other thing that people would appreciate. So you know, because again, you know, not talking about objectifying anybody, but like we, you know, when we see miniatures and like we see it in sci-fi and fantasy and all that for so long, we see like what we consider to be the quote-unquote ideals of what we consider men or what we consider women. You know what yeah. I mean? I think like going yeah. like way over the top cartoon or just like here's a regular gamer slapped in that role. Yeah. You know, well, just I like mean, for the tongue in cheek of it. Right. Well, you know, and what's funny about that is, is that, you know, I mean, I see a lot of that stuff online and, and, you know, we, we really want to, you know, service, uh, you know, a particular demographic of the, you know, the hobby community. And so that was one of the reasons why we started that line to begin with. Right. But, I mean, you know, it's it's not a new thing. It's like, and I, 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 I see, you know, a lot of discussion and stuff about it and all this. And, I mean, 
if you go back to these classical Greek sculptures, and I'm talking about stuff that's, you know, two and 3,000 years old, uh, you know, that have survived. Okay, well, in these marble uh, carvings that they've done, you know, are really idealized from what, you know, they were, they were probably looking like, you know, at the time. And so, you know, to me, it's like, you know, as an artist, you know, I, I, you know, one part of me is, you know, do I want to faithfully recreate this subject? Okay. Sure. And then the other part of me is like, do I want to create an idealized view of this subject? You know, and, it, and it's like, well, is one more commercial? And, you know, there's just a whole bunch of different aspects to that. But really, it just comes down to an appealing aesthetic. It's like, how do I want to be represented? Like if somebody was going to paint a portrait of me, okay? Well, I, you know, it's like, you know, I'd, I'd prefer if you could go in and, you know, airbrush some things or, you know, or whatever, <laughs> you know, right? I mean, why, why wouldn't anybody want that? And so, you know, it's not to say that it's like, you know, you know, this is how things should be, but maybe it is in kind of a way that it's like, well, you know, this is an idealized version of this or that character or whatever, you know, but it's like, you know, we're talking about heroic characters. It's like, well, these are, you know, out of the ordinary. If you take a character like Indiana Jones, you know, it's like, well, he's got kind of an everyman quality to him, but at the same time, he's still got kind of a heroic quality to him where it's like, he can really luck his way out of a bunch of shit that it's like, you shouldn't be able to do, you know? So, uh, you know, so I can see both sides of it, you know, um, and it's a very fine line, you know, to, to ride on that. And hopefully, you know, we're on, you know, what we're doing with Bombshell is, you know, we're trying to ride, you know, that particular side. Right. Yeah, because there's one thing that I definitely could say about your miniatures is the fact that, like, yes, they, they still kind of have that. I don't want to say classic damn girl will doing something. They're not just standing there saying, Hey, look at my rack. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? It's yeah. all, all of them are doing something. And like you look at them and say, okay, this is what this character is. It's not just, Hey, look, it's a chick with a gun. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, and I, you know, I mean, repose has its place, you know, if, if you're trying to, to, you know, sell a particular attitude or, you know, whatever you're trying to say something about a character. But I, I'm always, I'm a, I'm a big Frazetta fan anyway, you know, so I, I mean, I kind of go back to the Frazetta school of like, you know, the, everything should always be in motion. And right. Yes. Um, and, and one of the, in the, the I, I can't believe, or I can't remember if it was William Stout or one of the other artists that had mentioned this in the Frank Frazetta documentary painting with fire they were talking about Frazetta and, and looking at his art and he said and this always stuck with me after that was like anything anytime that you look at a Frazetta design the character always looks like they're in motion you know even if they're just standing there there's like wind blowing or their cape is whipping around or you know they're leaning a certain way and it just creates a vibrant energy to what you're looking at because the medium that I'm working in is incredibly static I mean, it's a sculpture. It's not, it's not going to move on its own. So I want to be able to try to impart as much life, you know, into the piece as I can get because it's only just going to sit there, you know, and, and have you look at it. So, uh, so that's always kind of stuck with me. So that you've picked up on that, that's an important thing to me. I mean, that's one of the things that I kind of focus on whenever I try to approach a sculpt is that is this going to work, you know, in motion, you know, even if it's just standing or sitting or whatever. And the other thing is, does it work in 3D space? Uh, because, you know, it's, it's a weird thing. And, and I've, I've mentioned this before, but it's a, it's a very strange path where you take, it's a 3D object that you're representing. And then someone has interpreted that into 2D space as a piece of art. And then they send it to you to interpret back into the 3D space again. So you've got all of these filters, you know, that you're working through where it's like, well, you've taken the first artist that's filtered into 2D and now you've taken the next artist that's filtering it back into a 3D object. And so, uh, you know, you're, you're trying to capture a lot, you know, when you, when you go through that process. Yeah, because, you know, you're always thinking about looking at it from like one aspect. 
you know, where it's like either like from the face or, or you know, where he's swinging the axe, but you don't think about the rest of the model. Yeah, yeah. And there's there's always going to be that, that beauty shot, you know, where it's like it's going to be that one angle that's like, well, this is the ideal angle of that particular piece, you know, that you're going to view it from. And so, you know, and that's that's usually like when I work with clients, they're they're really like, you know, uh, funneling you into achieving that beauty show where it's like this sculpt has to look like this piece of art from this angle. And it's like, well, okay, that's not always going to work. Okay. Because that artist didn't translate all of those objects in three dimensional space into 2d correctly, you know? And so there's a lot of artists that you can look at. It's like Wayne Reynolds, for example, you know, I've sculpted a lot of Pathfinder pieces for Reaper, you know, based on Wayne Reynolds art. Okay. And he puts lots and lots of equipment and weapons and all kinds of things and stuff on his characters. And it's like, well, you know, you can stack that stuff up, you know, in a flat plane, one in front of the other on a piece of art very easily. But when you turn that model around and you have to take into account that it's going to go into a mold and come out of a mold and all that sort of thing, there's a roundness, you know, to those figures that a lot of that stuff doesn't take into account. I mean, it looks fantastic, you know, as a piece of art, but it doesn't translate as easily, you know, into a three-dimensional space again. So, um, so having to, to engineer some of that stuff is very tricky, you know, to get it to look right, you know, from all dimensions. Because, you know, the, if the gamer has it in their army, they're going to be looking at the back of it most of the time as it's charging across the table. Right. So even from the back, like, it still has to look interesting. Right. It's still got to have stuff on the back of it, you know. And what's kind of funny is somebody had asked for a turnaround on, uh, on of the melee sculpt that we have on the Kickstarter project. And so I, I shot a few pictures, you know, from different angles and, and from the back. And it's, it's kind of cool because she's wearing shorts, basically, because that's part of the, the character. But she, you know, her apron that she has on that, that Chris had designed has, you know, like a leather front. And then down at the bottom, there's like a little chain mail kind of poking out you know, uh, at the bottom of her apron. And so when I turn the figure around on the back with her, the way that her legs are, are apart, you can kind of see where that apron would be, you know, between her knees. And so I thought, well, do I want to have the chain mail run all the way up through there, you know, to create interest, you know, for the painter? And one, uh, no, because I don't want to sculpt all that chain mail. But then it occurred to me that it's like, well, typically when, you know, they would wear chain mail, they would have like a padded, you know, uh, under undergarment, you know, that would keep the chain mail off of their skin, you know, and create kind of a buffer. So I put this quilted sort of texture on the backside of, you know, that apron between that and, and the little chain mail skirt. So that's something that I just came up with on the fly. That's like, well, I think that would be interesting for painters, you know, and it, it creates texture and stuff on the model that otherwise it wouldn't be there. It would just be this flat, you know, right you know, piece of leather or something like that. So. Yeah. And it definitely adds a little bit more to it. And it gives it a little bit more realism too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, speaking of of chain mail, what you said right there, if anybody out there has ever put on a suit of chain mail, after putting on a suit of chain mail, even at a convention where you're just wearing a t-shirt, walking around in that thing for about a minute and a half, you will suddenly take that whole idea of the old classic chain mail D and D bikini and throw it right out the freaking window <laughs> because it's not happening. Nope. No. That is that's a, that is a very uncomfortable thing for sure. Yeah, because I know for a, you know, I know for a fact that, you know, even going back to like historic, historical documents and whatnot, if you wore chainmail, it was padded underneath. Like you you, you wore like a padded armor underneath. Right. Sometimes leather if you really hated yourself. <laughs> yeah, but you always had something sitting there. Yeah, and that, yeah, that, I mean, that kept the kept the lengths from, you know, pinching and, you know, doing all that type of stuff that a couple of pieces of metal rubbing together would do. Hell, I you know, when I put on a, a chainmail, like, just typical chainmail shirt, and all I had on was just a T-shirt, and I still had, like, pinch marks all over me. And I, was, I mm-hmm. wasn't doing anything active. I was just walking around the booth. Yeah, yeah. And it'll get you. So, yeah, it will. Yeah, it will. Now imagine if you were, like, running around doing stuff and trying to be action man or action woman. Like, no, just no. Oh shit, dude, it's hard enough for me to just run around in a t-shirt and shorts, 
You know, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's much less, you know, with like armor or something on. Well, you know, <laughs> to each his own. I mean, at the same time, like, you know, when I train for kickboxing mixed martial arts, I'm really not wearing anything more than like a nut cup and a, you know, pair of Speedos. So yeah, kind of the opposite aspect of that, too. <laughs> So, you know, it, you know, it's funny, too, because thinking back to that, like, going back to our conversation about Frank Frazetta and, you know, even thinking about, like, kickboxing, mixed martial arts, or any type of combat sports that are out there now, I remember a lot of people were giving Frazetta criticism for basically designing these women that were running around in, like, basically nothing, and dudes that were running around in basically nothing but a helmet and, like, a tunic. Yeah. And, um, you know, at the same time, like, I, I see where people are like, oh, well, that's offensive, and, like, you're objectifying people. And at the same time, it's like, well, no, because if you really want to be able to move, the easiest way for you to move is to be as naked as possible. Yeah, and, you know, the, the was it the, the Picts or the, the or the Celts later on that, that kind of learned that where, I mean, basically they would paint blue woad over themselves and just run out, you know, they'd lime up their hair and and fight the, the Romans and stuff with, you know, basically naked. You know, well, so right because I don't know about the other YouTube, but like if I was standing there and I had a bunch of like just blue painted naked dudes running at me, I'd stop and go, "Hey, hang on, do I really <laughs> want to be involved in this?" Right, right. <laughs> I didn't sign up for this. Yeah. Uh, no comment. <laughs> Nick, you don't have anything to add. <laughs> you get the crazy ones. Oh, they start naked, painted in blue, but they're riding like standing up on two horses coming right at you. It's like, nope, I'm good. <laughs> that one, right. yeah, that one's definitely no, no. I don't need to be teabagged today. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Because the worst part about that, I'd much rather be stabbed than have like both horses pass me. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> he got his trophy just in a different way. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, oh, that's crazy. Crazy. <laughs> something else covered in blue woad. Oh man, <laughs> there's just a there's just like a blue stripe like right up your forehead. <laughs> How'd that happen? I don't want to You're talk right. about. It. Uh, <laughs> well, now we know why William Wallace is pissed. You're right. <laughs> Boy, did this just like go completely off track real yep, fast? Yep, I had I actually had a point to what I was saying, and then we started talking about blue wieners. <laughs> so um yeah real mature real mature guys but anyway <laughs> we're rolling up on our hour uh i gotta get the hell out of here but uh patrick take a couple minutes pour yourself out there tell us where we can reach you tell us about babes three tell us how many days are left go okay well um you can find me and all of my other work Okay, all over the internet, pretty much. Uh, but the, the place that you want to start is going to be at bombshellminis.com. And um, that's kind of our launching point because we've got links on there to our Facebook page and our Facebook group and, um, and our Kickstarter project. So we've got nine days left to go on the Kickstarter project. It's going to wrap up on, let me look at my calendar here. It's the actual, yeah, the 30th of September at 8 p.m. Central Time. So if you're going to pledge on it, we, uh, you know, encourage you to, to jump in before that time. Uh, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll also have, you know, late pledging, you know, available at some point. But, uh, and all the babes will hit retail, but they're not going to be at these fantastic Kickstarter prices. So. Right. Yeah. They're usually they're about, uh, what do they usually run? About 10 bucks, 12 bucks a piece? Yeah, yeah, our most of our babes are nine ninety nine, and uh, you can get them on the the Kickstarter project for twenty um, percent off. So I think they're like eight bucks, and plus then we've also got combo deals too. Like every day throughout the course of the campaign, I'll be posting a little combo add-on, and um, it's going to be a collection of babes that are kind of themed together. Like today's that we posted was a Western theme, so it's got uh, our Western. Uh, characters in it, and you can get that for an even better deal than, you know, what we normally sell those for. Nice. Nice. Awesome. Well, yeah, definitely. Anybody who's listening to this, definitely go check out the Kickstarter. Nick, is there anything else you want to say before we get out of here? Uh, I just want to whore us out. Hey, folks. (laughs) Um, You know, Tim adds all the links and all that at the end. 
But if you listen to us through iTunes or anywhere else, you know, give us a like, give us a comment, you know, leave us a nice review, go on Facebook, leave a review, leave a review wherever you can, because reviews help spread the word. Hey, if you think we suck, tell us that too. It's still a comment. But make sure to leave five stars still. (laughs) (laughs) Professional. Awesome. So to wrap all this up, Patrick, it was great having you on again, man. We got to do this again in the future. It sounds great. Well, you know, we're going to do another Counter Blast project uh, coming up next year. So it's going to be all deluxe with a whole bunch of new models and new rules and all kinds of goodies that we're working on right now. So I will keep you posted on that. Thanks. I I appreciate you guys inviting me on the show again. It's always a blast talking to you, and I always enjoy, you know, the time that I spend on the podcast. Awesome. Awesome. And we definitely appreciate having you come back on. You know, it's uh, it's always great talking with you. It's always great talking with the guys that are really passionate about what they do. So it definitely makes going through this process a lot easier. Thanks. Great. Thank you. That will wrap up this episode of Skirmish Supremacy, where, again, we are closing off with Patrick Keith. And remember, folks, it's always okay to fight in the nude. Until next time, (laughs) see you later. (laughs) Thanks for listening to another episode of Skirmish Supremacy. To see more of the antics that Nick and I do, you can check us out on Facebook at Skirmish Supremacy. We also have Twitter, which we can be reached at Skirmish Supreme, because apparently Skirmish Supremacy does not fit in Twitter. And if you want to email us directly, you can reach us at Tim at SkirmishSupremacy.com or Nick at SkirmishSupremacy.com. Thanks for listening.